Welcome back to the Stick 'em Up podcast. Today I'm joined, as always, with Brundy, the proud fan of a not oh, one, yeah. but two-time 2023 winning team, the San Jose Sharks. Brundy, how do you feel? Not, not only that. So the last time we we did an episode, we kind of, well, I me specifically, I went in deep on on picking that Sharks team apart and they just finished losing uh, two games in a row along 10 goals against. And in the span since then, they are now not even the worst team in the league. They're tied for the worst, but they're not the, the sole single team at the bottom. They are now tied with surprisingly the Edmonton Oilers who uh, they just beat tonight in a, in a very good close game. It was a, it was a very fun game to watch. Probably the most entertaining Sharks game so far this year. That's, I mean, I mean, it's not saying much, but it, oh, I'm, I'm just on cloud nine right now. I mean, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, the record's still two ten and one, but I mean, I mean, back to back wins, like what more, what more can you ask for from that team? Yeah. You got one more. You got yourself a winning streak. Yeah, it, and it's, and I mean, we, we kind of discussed it a bit before we hopped on here, but I, I, I think the biggest turning point was the, you know, the one-sided meeting that Mike Greer had with the players. And uh, again, it's nothing's, you know, for sure known about it, but everyone's kind of assuming what it means by a one-sided meeting is Mike Greer sits down with the players and says, you don't talk, you listen. He, you know, yells at him, says whatever he has to say, and that's it. And then the players just, you know, they sit on that, think about it. And uh, I mean, I mean, they, they've won two games since then. They, they haven't allowed more than uh, two goals in a game since then. Um, I yeah, don't think, I mean, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that they go on such a skid at the start of the year. And then Greer has that as that meeting and then they win two games. I don't think like yeah. not only did they end up winning, but they're playing night and day so much better. Yeah. It can't be coincidence. I don't know what he said, but it's clearly working. And not only that, it's also something that, I mean, a, a lot of people look at it as like, well, yeah, like the Sharks defense is awful. So that's kind of why they did, did it. But um, so Mike Greer yesterday went out and traded a, uh, a 2026 fifth round pick. So I mean, that's not even next year's draft. It's not the following year. That's the year after that. And then AHL forward Adam Raska for Kalen Addison, who is a you know a, a good young offensive minded right handed shot defense, which is hard to come by. And I did not see that coming. Just from the fact alone of I mean, the Sharks aren't a good team. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're still going to be you know right down there at the bottom. Um, but it's just interesting to see them see Mike Greer go out and make a trade to bring in a player to, to still improve the team and make them better. Um, I, I really like that. And I think that's going to do wonders for the team the rest of the season. I think having an, having a, I mean, they lost Eric Carlson and without him, they didn't have a defenseman who had those offensive instincts and can, you know, run a power play, which is what Addison did in his time yeah. with, uh, with the wild. So I think that's also a really big, uh, just a really big part of, you know, the team that 
um, we saw tonight from them because, you know, Addison, he, he played a, he played a big role for, I mean, the power play looked still bad. That's to be expected, but even in the defensive zone, I thought he was very solid. I don't, I didn't see any areas where I'm like, Oh, I can see why Minnesota didn't want him. Like, so I, I think that's also a great move for the sharks. It's gonna pay off huge for years to come because I think Addison is gonna be part of that defensive core um moving forward. Hey, you know, anytime you get a guy that is good enough to be part of like a team's core <laughs> for a fifth round pick, which is al- almost nothing. It's not nothing, but like a fifth round pick is worth less than one some of the worst players in the league. Unless their contract is actively negatively affecting your team, then they're worth more than a fifth, in my opinion. So that yeah. they barely paid for him. Like it's it's a great move, and yeah, yeah, especially since they uh, decided that they don't want Thrun up in the NHL right now. Um, yeah, it's a great what? move to get him in so he can play on the power play and. And the thing also is, is like they, the Sharks actually do have some um, really good defensive prospects, mostly um, Shakir Mukamadoulin and Henry Thrun, but they are both left-handed shots. Like the Sharks really, I mean, before the, the, the Carlson trade, we kind of just knew Carlson was going to get traded. And so then it was like, okay, so now they're, they only have Matt Benning as a right-handed shot defenseman. And then, you know, they get, um, they get Jan Ruda back in the Carlson trade, so he's right-handed. They, got, they bring in Kyle Burroughs, who I think has been very solid to start the season. But that's pretty much the exact same player, just three times. And, so, and, and, and Matt Benning is injured now. I, I don't know when he's going to come back. But bringing Addison in just makes that right side now. It, it just looks different having a, a defenseman who's more up there in the plays, helping create chances. Um, I think it just kind of shifts the dynamic a bit on the blue line. And you've now got another guy you can try and work in there and see, you know, can he be a stable guy that you can now pair with one of your left-handed defensemen for the rest of the season? Because uh, up until, you know, the other night against the Flyers, the lines were just in a constant blender every game. Like I think, every forward and defenseman on the team was played a game with all the other guys at some point. Like it was just, everything was, was a mess. So hopefully it's a step in the right direction now of this uh, two game win streak here of having more, um, more of an identity with, with your team and what kind of lineup you you're going to try to run with throughout the season now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Um, You got any more for the Sharks? Uh, two things. Uh, one quick thing. I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to bash a player um, because I still really do like Timo Meyer. But I'm very, very hard on the train now that I do think um, the Sharks have, have won the, the Timo Meyer trade. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, Meyer's a bad player. He has been struggling with the Devils. I don't, that, that, that's not going to last more than the next 10 games, he, he, it's, it's going to work out there. He's going to be a terrific player for them. But I think just now when you're looking at all the pieces that the, the Sharks got back um, in the Meyer trade, like 
it just looks like a home run for them. Like Fabian Zetterland, uh, again, didn't look good at the end of last season with the Sharks. But now, you know, having a full offseason with the team and full training camp, um, he's now up on the top line. He's looking um, awesome with, with Hurdle and Eklund. Mukamadulin, like I said, he's the Sharks' best defensive prospect. Um, I think at some point, maybe near the end of the regular season, um, I, I think he gets a call up and gets some NHL games in, will be a full-timer next year. Quentin Musty, I mean, we all kind of know about him. Um, Nikita Athoyuk, I think is how you pronounce it. I don't know. Every announcer is pronouncing it differently right now. Yeah. But he was just kind of a guy where it's like, okay, he was just kind of an extra defenseman thrown in to the deal because the Sharks really wanted defensemen mostly in a Meyer trade, it seemed. Um, and he, again, he was just kind of a guy that no one really knew much on him, but he was a former second round pick. Uh, he was injured kind of throughout training camp. He's now gotten his way into the lineup. He hasn't come out since he's gotten in and he's just continuing to get better and better each game. And he plays the exact style that we're, we're seeing that Mike Greer wants from defensemen. Um, so that's four great pieces there. And then you've still got either a second or potentially another first round pick um, from the Devils in next year's draft. So you add that in. I mean, I think I think I, like as of right now, the Devils got the way better player. But I think when you look at all those pieces that are going to be part of that Sharks core um, yeah. coming out of this rebuild and when they finally get back in a contending, I think it's just such a such a slam dunk. So. Yeah, especially with how, never misses. How, miss. how much people said that uh, that the trade initially was underwhelming for the Sharks. Oh, really, I was on that. It, oh, yeah. I I mean... I, oh, I was with you I, when the, I didn't, the trade broke. Yeah, I had no idea uh, who like any of the players were going back the other way. So, um, But yeah, it seems like it's going to work out pretty well for... The Sharks, and I mean, so the Devils are looking to compete right now, and I don't see how they do much right now without Meyer being at least a part of it. So if yeah. you know if they win a cup in the next three years or something like that, like then it's a win for them too. Then it's a win-win, right? Yeah, and also something thinking. I just thought about this now with the Devils. So say come the trade deadline, you know they, they're buyers again because I, I think they still got a decent amount of cap space currently. Or they can at least make it it work to bring in a player. So they can they I don't think they can technically trade either their first or second because they don't know which one is going to the Sharks. So I think their first mm. round pick for this year and their second are both off the table for trade as well because you don't know which yeah. one you're gonna keep and which one's going to the Sharks. So I, I believe that's correct, yeah. Um so aside from that, I mean I just I'm really happy with what Mike Greer is doing. Um, I can't believe we did not discuss this in the last episode, but Joe Thornton has oh, finally shit. hung we, them up. He is. We didn't talk about that. No, oh, we man. didn't. I literally, I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, wow, I, I didn't even occur to me to bring it up. But so that's probably the biggest news out of San Jose all season is Joe Thornton has officially retired from the NHL now. Um, Big tabs for Jumbo. It's very, very disappointing that we unfortunately couldn't see him win a Stanley Cup, and it's very unfortunate that we weren't able to see him 
Um, officially get a cock trick um, for Joe Thornton that is getting four goals in a game. Uh, we never got to see that, but I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I think he's going to be, I think it's in, in a, no time, not only is his uh, number 19 going to get retired up in uh, the Shark Tank, but I also see him joining Patrick Marlowe um, in joining the Sharks again in some kind of management role. I mean, he still is like, He's at all Sharks over practices, he's still at games up in the press box. Like he, he, I think, I think it's more so. It's the Sharks are like, you've got a job whenever you're ready, and it's just take your time. If you want to enjoy retirement for a bit, feel free to. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a a big end of an era there for the Sharks. Now Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe both retired out of the league. It's it's sad. Of, it would have been nice to see them get a get a cup, but yeah, it is what it is. It Maybe really they'll sucks. get it in uh, in a management role with the team, you know, something like that. Still, that would be so sick to watch Joe Thornton with a massive beard in a suit uh, raising the Stanley Cup as a right? coach for San Jose. Oh, yeah, but uh, I feel like Joe Thornton is one of the more underrated players in the last 20 years. Uh, I know a lot yeah. of people know he's elite, but, like, how many people do you know that have, like, feel like, it feels like they've realized that he put up, like, a hundred, what was it, like, 125 points in a season? In yeah, he's also... The dead puck era, like, just He's after, also the first like, player ever, the only player as well, to have won the Hart Trophy... And I think the Art Ross, it might even be, maybe not the Art Ross, but definitely the heart of uh, playing between two teams, like being traded mid-season. Yeah, he did win the Art Ross that year. Nobody was even yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I, I think you're right, though. Like, just a guy that, I, I feel like people, you know, talk about him and they're like, they're like, oh, you know, he was good. He was a beast for the Sharks. But I think when you really look at it, like... He was different. Like, so I, I pulled it up here. So the 1997 um, NHL draft class. Now, I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure because I'm looking at all the guys at the, the top of like the point totals and none of them are still playing. So I can't imagine anyone lower than them is still playing. Um, right. But so to break it down, the top. So I, I, I just pulled up the top five point getters from that draft, the 97 draft. In fifth place was Brendan Morrow, only with 575. I say only 575, but so he he finished that draft class with the fifth most points. For fifth most in a draft class, you might expect a bit more, but at the same time, that's a great NHL career. So a little bit of a bump up now, up from 575 to 750 was Ole Okunen. Okay. Jumping up quite a bit from that, up to 1,134, Marion Hosa. Hosa. Jumping up just a little bit, only, well, I mean only, but like just a little bit higher than um, Hosa. 1,197 points. Also led the entire draft class with 566 goals. And led everybody in games played. Patrick Marlowe. Mm. 
So Patrick Marlowe finished his career 1,197 points. Joe Thornton was number one with 1,539 points. Jeez, he dude, almost he a thousand points more. Almost a thousand points more than the guy who was in fifth place from that draft class. And Brendan Morrow isn't anybody to sneeze at either. Like, yeah, exactly. Jeez. So like that, like he was just, just a like, he was just different, man. And it's, I mean, making machine. And it's like 1,539 points in 1,714 games. So, you know, he wasn't a point per game, but when you look at it, I mean, you know, just those kind of last couple years, like his last year at the Sharks and they weren't good, 31 points in 70 games. With Toronto, 20 points in 44 games. And then with Florida, 10 points in 34 games. So taking that into account, like he was, he was almost kind of around a, a point per game guy in his career, yeah. uh, you know, Olympic gold medals, uh, went to the world championship, like, represented Canada on the world's biggest stage, like hell of a career. Absolutely incredible career. And he just got his uh, number 19 retired with the Sioux Greyhounds. Yeah. And if you haven't, um, not only you, but anybody, if you haven't seen the video of it, I strongly encourage you to because it's such a cool video. Um, so they, so they were retiring Joe Thornton's number 19 up into the rafters. And, you know, he, he wears the colors. He's got a nice red, like dark red suit on. He looks sick. Um, I don't know the name of the player, but whoever number 19 currently, um, Currently is on the Greyhounds? Currently is on the Greyhounds, yeah. So he um, came off the bench and skated over to, to Joe Thornton, like shook his hand. The kid pulls off his number 19 jersey with his name on the back. He rips the name off, and underneath it says Thornton. So oh, number 19, cool. Joe Thornton jersey. He hands the jersey to Thornton, and then you can see his numbers now, I think, like 63 or 56 or something so he changed his number which yeah. that's got to be a cool moment for the kid you're the one that officially like ripped your name off 19 scott thornton's name you give it to him it's like this is yours now no one will ever wear 19 again type of thing i think that's really cool that's a really cool way to do it and that, that's right i was also got a little bit of wwe style pageantry that's that's fun like and you can you also know that that's not um a thing that like, you know, the Greyhounds management would have brought to him type of thing. They would have been like, okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to skate out, rip your name off and give it to him. Like, I think that's something he came up with himself. Yeah. Like that just does, like if it was the team, dude, they'd be like, just go up and take the 19 off, hand it to him and type of thing. But to make it a big, you know, kind of just dramatic reveal type thing. I don't, I think that's just something that a player would have, had to come up with because they're like, I want to do this type of thing. Um, but either way, if, if anyone wants to go and check it out, I strongly encourage you to, cause it's a, just a really cool moment. And with the way um, kind of leaning into probably the next thing we're going to talk about, it's good to see some good in hockey still in those cool moments that kind of take away from the negative stuff uh, in yeah. the league. <laughs> 
which we can now transition to the next are one. You, you, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you. You. Yeah. Are you referring to uh, the Blackhawks news? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and and I guess uh, it was included in the uh, the Block and Jenner report that. Uh, the law firm that did the original investigation into the 2010 uh, sexual assault scandal for the Blackhawks, it was included that there were uh, potentially other players uh, that had also been sexually assaulted or raped by Brad Aldrich. And uh, it, it came out the other day that at least one of those is true. So now we have a second player um, also... Uh, unnamed, you know, Kyle Beach later on came out with his name, but this player is yeah. currently unnamed, and yeah. yeah, he's he's saying that it happened to him as well. Like, good yeah. God, and man, it really sucks looking at everyone's reaction to this. It's so bleak. Nobody thinks they're going to be held accountable at all. Yeah, well, I mean, and you can't blame them. Like no, we, Gary, Gary Bettman, like two days ago, episode. was on the Pat McAfee show and said that hockey's never been in a better place. That that was a little bit longer ago, I think. I think that was before it came out. I'm pretty sure. Mm, yeah, but... But, I mean, either way, it's like... Going on. Now it's, after <laughs> but, they've very clearly just stripped Ottawa of a first-round pick, like, and now something like this happens, which, again... And I think everybody's opinion is way worse than what Ottawa did. Like, way, 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 way worse. Way worse. Way worse than what uh, what Arizona did. Way worse than even back when Vancouver got stripped of a pick for the Luongo situation. Like, yeah. this, does, this doesn't even compare to the, those. And they got a, a slap on the wrist fine and it's it's absolutely brutal it's they we need new leadership in the nhl like yesterday and and i'll say this i'm very confident that the blackhawks will not face any punishment for this and i believe they won't because i think the nhl's reasoning behind not penalizing the Blackhawks earlier when the first one came out and now this one is the reasoning is going to be because it doesn't affect the game today between yeah. what happened with with Arizona um, Ottawa New Jersey um, all of them those were all in the moment that impacted the game in in some way of the on ice product that we're getting whereas the Blackhawks one is now I mean, 13 years ago, which is, uh, it, it, I mean, it's, like, it's, it's quite a while ago. And so that not only was it that long ago, but it's not impacting any teams or any, any teams currently in the league or affecting the on-ice product. Yeah. So I think it's just going to be a, again, it's a, you know, fine maybe. And that's, and I, I mean, it's tough because they've got all new, new players like i don't think they have any players from that 
team left anymore. No, um, I don't think new so. coaches, new management, like it's new owner. I mean, cause huh. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, good, but yeah, they, I, I genuinely wonder if something very similar, like if 13 years ago, this exact scenario happened to the Winnipeg Jets, a Canadian team, not an original six team, not a big market. I wonder if they're throwing the book at them and making an example of them, or if it's exactly. also something like this. Like, exactly. It uh, really makes you wonder, and we'll never know, because Gary Bettman. Yeah, but it was also, so that news came out six, would it be six days ago, five days ago, something like that? Yeah, and around five, so, I think. So four days ago, the Chicago Blackhawks lost to the New Jersey Devils, four to two, and Scott Powers put out that the Blackhawks had a team meeting about keeping each other accountable following tonight's loss. And so you obviously know everyone online had a field day with that being like, like accountability in the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Well, that's a first type of thing. Yeah. So now that's obviously picked up yeah. traction. It, it's obviously ironic, but uh, very ironic given the situation. But I, None of, like you said, none of the players uh, that play for them anymore are hopefully were involved in any of that. They weren't around for any of that, at least on their team. Uh, so, yeah. you know, you can't you can't blame them too much. But you know, it'd be yeah. nice to see, you know, the higher ups in the franchise that have been around, or you know, just just really like holding anyone accountable. To a proper degree. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. what, can, what can you do, you know? All, all we can do, really, I guess, is uh, let just let people know. Keep, you know, keep the listeners in the loop on what's going on with that. Yeah. Remind everyone out there to not be a dick. It's <laughs> speaking not of, that hard. Speaking of being a dick, Alex Galchenyuk... Um, so we talked months ago about what happened with him and the whole situation. And yeah. we kind of gave our thoughts on like, you know, maybe him getting back in the NHL one day. Um, if he does, what does it take to get there? That's all out the window. Because yeah. d did you see the videos? Uh, I, I didn't, but the I videos got dropped of Galchenyuk through it all. Yeah, I looked at the comments and it looks like it just confirms it confirms it, some of the things that he said that were rumored that he said before. And it is brutal. Yeah, though dude, you, you can't say anything like that, man. Like the like, the tenth, it is one of the, the, the most thing that he said is like he's done. Yeah, like it is one of the most disgusting videos I've actually ever seen. He, like the, not only the words yeah. he's saying but the way he's saying them and showing no remorse, like. Oh. He sounds like a freaking TV villain, like a psychopath. Dude, he's a monster. Like, dude, he literally does. And, like, to put it. And, I, and, you know, I know there's people out there who will still stand on that hill and be like, oh, we've all said, said things we don't mean and done things 
when when we're drunk or whatnot. Like, I don't care if that's the type of person you are because you're intoxicated. That is who you are as a person. Like, no person gets drunk and is like, I'm going to say all these things. It's like, it's like, no, like that is a whole nother level. There is. And again, I even kind of advocated for Gachenek originally when the seven said, you know what, if he takes, you know, a a year or two off from the NHL and can prove that he's, he's a changed man and that he's come out on the better side of this and all that. So be it. Maybe he, maybe he can get his way back in after these videos. Like, there is no beating around the bush or trying to justify any of it. Like it's all right there. And I yeah. view it now very similar to, um, I can't even remember his name uh, because he's so irrelevant now, but the, the kid with Bo- Mitchell Miller with Boston, mm. where I think even if it's at a point now where a team was to sign Galchenyuk, I think the backlash would be so severe that yeah. the contract gets turned he gets bought out type of thing. Like I yeah. just I can't see a way back now. It it really uh, also matters, you know, how sore you feel about it. And you know, mm-hmm. so in Mitchell Miller's case, he was like, "Yeah, I feel bad." And then the guy he bullied was like, "I never got an apology. I even asked for one. He still won't give it." Like the dude just yeah was an ass. But then you know, there's like the Logan Mayu situation where he did a shitty thing, a very shitty thing, but like ha- he's by all accounts that anyone's heard been working to get better and he's got like receipts for trying to get better like he can prove it to a degree so yeah it it, obviously you know some things you cannot come back from but it also depends on how you handle it and yeah uh galchenyuk's kind of losing on all fronts there and and with the logan maus thing is if because i i think he's playing with um in the ahl for Montreal's AHL team, correct? I think so. So, I mean, if he has already made it there, he makes it to the NHL. Um, I mean, if it, I, I feel like... He with their C- a CHL team, actually. I think he's under... He might have a contract with them, but he's... Uh, I think he might still be on a CHL team, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Either way. Um, but, but either way, I feel like if he's a guy who's got those receipts of him trying to get better, I think that's a guy, when you see him get... Um, to the NHL level, and he's like, you know, a, a full professional athlete at the highest level. That could be a guy who goes on to do, I think, very good things in v- trying to always do good things and give back as much as he can. Because, you know, if, if, if he's come out a better person of it and a guy that's very grateful for the fact he's even getting to be in the NHL after everything and all that, like that could be someone who... Could I'm not saying he's going to, but could end up being a very positive um, influence going forward. Again, not saying yeah. he's going to be, but I think experience. if exactly you'd hope we, he would for sure. There's numerous people who you know have been in those positions where they did a shitty thing. They're at their their lowest, and then you know someone maybe reaches out to them, takes a chance on them, helps build them back up. They get better, and then they go on to do great things like that's that's a part of life. That's nature. And, but with Galchenyuk, I, I think now with, with this video, there's, there's just no coming back. Just none. Yeah. It's, it's pretty brutal to, to not, uh, 
I'm not gonna quote him or anything, but like uh, he's he makes very direct oh, threats. <laughs> he, he yeah, he makes very direct threats at uh, the police officers uh, helping him on top of being uh, saying a lot of really bad stuff. Uh, he also makes a lot of threats, uh, very specific threats about uh, his family and stuff. Like it's. It, it he crosses so many different lines so fast. It's like he's speed running trying to get arrested harder. And the like, thing that makes it even worse for him, because I, I did watch the video and it, it is a tough watch, but even the police officer is being so respectful and polite towards him. And he was even like when even in the midst of Gauchenya saying a lot of um racist things and just all those other negative things. The police officer was still being so calm and polite and being like, just trying to explain it to him. Like, you know, you got, you, 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 you did what you did. You crashed, you know, you knocked over. I think, I think he said stop signs. We were assessing the situation and checking on you. We thought you had, I think he said, we thought you had like your, or you were reaching for something in your pocket. And we asked you to like stop and let us, you know, um, search you for items and he refused to and that's kind of when it escalated and he was being so polite and respectful with him just being like dude we're explaining the situation to you this is what happened we're not even fully arresting you like we're we're taking you down because we have to do this as part of our, the process it's our job yeah and galchenik was just having none of it and so it's it's tough when you know this cop is just trying to be so polite and respectful and brushing off all these hateful things and and still being very professional about it which makes it even worse for Gauchak that he still just kept drilling them with all the things he was saying yeah yeah um moving on from that um one thing that i want to start doing with the podcast uh when whenever we're during the season um just quickly rattle off the leaders in a couple of categories every episode can i can i throw one thing in quickly just before we do that sure um because I, I just i don't want this to leave my mind because i just thought about but a guy you mentioned mm. with joe thornton like you know a very good very good playmaker a guy who's always it, it again a great player but always kind of feels like underrated and they they don't get their their glory that they should um but nicholas backstrom has left the Washington Capitals for the time being due to just not feeling right after his, uh, I think it was surgery or something. So this maybe you know, kind of the way it's looking could be the end of, uh, of Nicholas Backstrom in, in the yeah, league. He, yeah. He, that he might've played his last game. Uh, who knows? Maybe he'll come back a little, you know, he'll feel a couple years younger. It's hard to say at this point, but I think it's also, hopefully he recovers um, well. Yeah, I think it's also easier for a guy like that when the position he's in is he got his his ring at least. He got to lift the cup. Absolutely. So it's it's not like he's going through that process and is like, I, I just want to get better and get back out there and try and, you know, go at it one more time with the boys and whatnot. At least he can now be like, if I come back, it's just to play the game that I love and help the team. It's not like he... It's not like he's missing out on winning a cup potentially if he if he walks away from the game potentially. So, yeah. But either way, hell of a career, Tim. And 
I, I think I speak for both of us when we just say we hope that he's getting better and can uh, potentially make that comeback um, to the game one day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but now, continue yeah, on. Uh, we can go to the the points to, leaders. Leading off the uh, stats leaders. Listen off a couple of the leaders here. Uh, Elias Pettersson is currently leading the league in points with 24, followed by Nikita Kucherov at 23 and Artemi Panarin at 22. Uh, for goals, we got Austin Matthews at 13, and then we got Nikita Kucherov, Brock Besser, and Kyle Connor all at 11. Uh, let's do defensemen as well. For defensemen, the top three in points, we got Quinn Hughes at 21, Victor Hedman at 17, and Kale McCarr at 15. And then for goals for defensemen, we got five apiece for Quinn Hughes, Jacob Chikrin, and Dougie Hamilton. Uh, for rookies, we have Connor Bedard at 11 points, and then Pavel Mintyakov, Bobby Brink, Logan Cooley, and Luke Evangelista all at eight. Also worth noting that Bedard was was down there, and the all those guys tied with seven until today. He had a a big night, his first first four yeah. point night in the in the show. Yeah, it was. Oh man, it was. <laughs> I did. I did not enjoy the uh, broadcast. Uh, Tampa scored two really nice goals, and at the time it was two one. And Bedard's was like a tap in, just a cross crease pass. He tapped it in. It was all right. It was a bit of a greasy goal, and hmm. uh, they had like three different companies' logos show up, and then be like, "This was the 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 Ford goal of the game," and it's like. Okay, we get it. It's Bedard, but like, it's not the best goal of the game. Also, like, fifteen minutes in the game have elapsed. Like, the first period's not even over. Like, they're going yeah. nuts. But, but he did play really well. He played really well. Um, he set up. He set up most of those. Like, he was a big play driver for them. Mm-hmm. He's got to be. Yeah, <laughs> he had two goals, and then he did a shot pass where that um, Corey Perry tipped in on the power play. And a lot of the crowd thought that he shot it in. So a bunch of people threw their hats onto the ice when Corey oh, Perry scored. Oh. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, did you see the video of, of Corey Perry at lightning practice this morning? Yeah. Like all the, all the boys were talking to him on the bench. Yeah. I, I, th- I thought that was really cool. Especially yeah. for a guy like Corey Perry, where, you know, people always jump to that he's um, a controversial figure, and yeah, kind of and, and all that. So it's kind of nice to see him no, go yeah. back to Tampa and see all the boys excited to to see him again, want to chat with him. him and... uh, apparently, uh, John Cooper said that he uh, he told him today earlier today that he uh, hopes that one way or another later on he comes back to Tampa, and we didn't even get outbid by. Uh, Chicago form I don't think I don't think he got offered that big money until after we let him go so I'm wondering if he means later in his career or like in like an off ice role like a managerial role which could be very interesting yeah um just to round out some of those stats I guess we'll also do a couple goalie ones um 
Jeremy Swayman leading the league in save percentage. It's pretty early in the season, so these are wild stats. But Jerry, Jeremy Swayman with a 952. Semyon Varlamov with a 950. And Thatcher Demko with a 948. And then we got Varlamov, Demko, Jonas Johansson, and Tristan Jari, all with two shutouts. And for whatever reason, they don't have wins on here. But wins is a team stat, so that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the big one for me is just what a start to the season for... I mean, the, the Canucks is, as a whole, but also, uh, also Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Quinn Hughes is the front runner for the Norris, and I don't, it's not even very close, is it? Like, like there's wow. other there's other guys that are close with each other, but I think he's a a cut above at the moment. He's playing yeah. really well defensively, and he's otherworldly offensively. He's the is he the only he's the only defenseman uh, on this list when I'm sorting by stats. He's the only defenseman on the skaters point list, and he's in fourth. He's not like far down either. Yeah. So, yeah, they are they are cooking over there in in Vancouver. Yeah, it's 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 been a terrific start for them, and I only see it. I I don't see it, you know, them drastically like falling off a cliff. Like I think this is I think this is the Canucks that we're we've got for the season. Like everything is just yeah. clicking so well for them. I think the addition of Philip Ronick, which a lot of people thought was a, they're like, what are the Canucks doing here? Like, why I'm not? Why sure. are we not keeping this first? And and I don't even know why Detroit gave up on on Hronik. Yeah, I don't um, know why people didn't like that trade. I mean, I I'm not going to pretend like I looked into Hronik super hard, but I always felt like he was pretty good. It felt like a bit, almost a bit of an underpay for a first for him. You know, considering people were giving up a first for one playoff run of Nick Foligno and stuff like that. Yeah, well, not only that playoff to go out in the the bubble. To, yeah, I guess he didn't even play didn't that technically either. make the playoffs. Um, but I and I even I I did say it when it first happened. Um, I may have even tweeted. I can't remember. I tweet a lot of a lot of dumb shit. Um, oh, yeah, yours is a garbage feed. It's great. The biggest thing I kind of saw when the trade first happened was I basically saw it as they went out and got Philip Pronick. So now they have that um, that guy that is with Hughes for the next 10 years. Yeah. Like that was the perfect player to bring in to put with Hughes to not only make the team better and the defense better, but to make Quinn Hughes better and bring the best out of him. And that, and and we've, only seen Philip Ronick get better since then. And we've definitely seen Quinn Hughes get better. And that's now a pairing you've got that you can run with, you know, as long as you want type of thing. And if that's, if you got to only pay a first round pick for a top pairing defenseman for the next 12 to 15 years, like that's huge win. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. So I, I did the uh, top, three players for points defensemen, but number four, Philip Ronick fit with 14 points. Like, Damn, I didn't even know he was that high. Yeah. 
Oh, so he's really been... <laughs> he's one okay. point behind Kale McCarr. Wow. Yeah, they are... I believe they just tonight got their fifth win in a row. They are... They are doing really well. And, I mean, <laughs> with the way the Oilers are playing, somebody in the Pacific has to pick up these wins. So we have to talk about them now, right? Like, we got to talk about the Oilers. But before we do, I'm going to tell you something really cool. This is really cool. It sounds like it's going to be a very mean, pretty cool thing to a certain fan base, but let me hear it. So to start the season so far, Connor McDavid has six, four, sorry, four even strength points. He's got six power play points because he did not get a point against the Sharks tonight where people thought he was going to break records and he didn't get a point and he played almost 25 minutes. Um, Washed. So, Is he ready? So, so McDavid has, <laughs> McDavid has four even strength points on the season. Pat Maroon on the Minnesota wild has nine. <laughs> Pat Maroon has double the amount of even He's strength points. McDavid does. It's and so good. Connor McDavid averages um, just a little bit under 22 minutes a night. Just under 22 minutes a night. Playing with Dreisaitl, Bouchard, Nugent Hopkins, Kane, Pat Maroon. I don't even know who he's playing with on the fourth line in Minnesota. He'd score a tic-tac-toe goal with uh, Joel Erickson Eck. I don't know if they're online or if he was just out there with them, but I mean, nine points? You... He's probably making his way up the lineup. This actually, yeah, kind of does surprise me. He has 14, averages 14 minutes of time on ice per game. And Four averages one minute of power play time on ice. So he's, I mean, he's, not, he's not scoring on the power play or getting points, but he's on it. But he's like to screen on the power play. Let's like, I haven't watched him in Minnesota, but there's no way they're using him for much other than screening. So... Which he's very good at. Like when we when we were doing our predictions, we both had Edmonton either first or second in the Pacific. Yeah. I had Jay Woodcroft winning the Jack Adams. I think we did. I don't know where do we have? Do we do playoff predictions? I don't know if we did. I think we just did who we thought was going to win the cup. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I'm pretty sure we just did. Cup winner. We we just had all these high things for Edmonton, and we knew San Jose was going to be at, right at the bottom. If, if you Edmonton told me that another first, I like if you to told God. me at the beginning of the season through, you know, twelve or thirteen games of the season, it was like that Oilers Sharks game. They're going to be the bottom two teams in the league, and San Jose is going to win that game. I would have been like, no, like there's no way. Edmonton is down at the bottom of the league with the Sharks and the Sharks beat them for them to now. Not only that, that's the first time the Sharks have beat them. And I think their last eight meetings or something like that, like they kept losing to the Oilers for quite a bit. And now they're, they're 31 and 32, both at tied at five points. It's, it's crazy. Like even if in the scenario where for whatever reason, McDavid had, hasn't played this entire season, I would still predict that they have more than five points. Yeah. Like, it's crazy that they're this bad. Like, it's... 
and and even now Jack Campbell gets sent to um he gets put on waivers and he's sent down to the AHL. Tough like, and so now and he's still got a what another three years after this one of his contract? Making five mil per year. Oh, oh, oh. Where is it? Oh, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. So Jack Campbell sent down to the AHL, cleared waivers, obviously. Yeah. His first game with the Bakers Field Condors in the AHL. Played the full game, 60 minutes. Yep. 20 shots against, 16 saves, 4 goals against, and a 4-1 loss. He just got lit up in the AHL, his first game. Oh, man. Dude. What do you, if you're the Oilers now, because, I mean, you can't just have... I mean, I know, I think they saved like just about a million dollars with him being in the minors. But you can't have $4 million for the next three years after this one in McDavid and Drysaddle's prime of dead cap on a, on a goalie to stay down there. No. How do you, what do you, what do you have to attach to Jack Campbell to even trade him? Because a team getting him is like, he's bare, he can't even play in the AHL. He, he gets lit up in the NHL. If you have but, prospect, a prospect, which they don't really have, like they have Xavier Borgo, like, if that's you, about it. Yeah, either picks or prospects and then ship them to a team that's knows that they're going into the rebuild for the long haul, like uh, maybe a Washington. Maybe Washington takes them, and if you can get Darcy Kemper back or something like that, that'd be really I, nice. I think but... to, like, I think to trade Jack Campbell, you almost have to do a, at least a first. They're, yeah. I think, what is kind of their top prospect, um, Xavier Borgo, because they traded Reed Schaefer and they didn't have a first last year. So, like, at least a first in Borgo. I think you also need to add Broberg in there. I know his value is probably not that high as it was a couple years ago. I think you need to add him. And then you still might need to do like a, a second or something. Or something like a Ryan McLeod. Like, I think you need to... Because that's a team that's now taking basically $5 million of dead cap for the next five years. And not only that, that's saving you. Like, you're not even fully paying for them to be willing to do it. It's to help the team and actually get rid of that that cap. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's tough there, man. And it's... And again, I mean, like... McDavid looks hurt. Again, I don't know if it's another injury or if it's still the same one. I imagine it's the with same the floor, one. He looks like he, he, looked not like he came right. back too soon. But even the rest of the team, like you said, even if McDavid didn't haven't played at all, with still again one uh, sorry one hundred point guy Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, Drysaddle, Bouchard, Kane. You've still got Ekholm. Uh, Dylan Holloway, which former no, first round pick, like he's Yeah, like it's 
I just I can't figure out what's going on there. And I think again, like you, they are I, getting really bad goaltending like across the board, but but, but even tonight, still. like I thought Stuart Skinner looked looked fine. I think two of I mean it, I um the, the first one wasn't was a nice play, but I think it was savable. But the second one, I mean, a, a bounce off Zetterlin right to hurdle and the one timer, not much he can do there. Uh, Philip Zadina's goal, beautiful pass by Sturm and a great one-timer by, well, kind of half one-timer by Zadina. Like, again, I don't think Stuart Skinner, and he actually almost even saved that. Like, I thought Stuart Skinner looked actually really good tonight. And it's just, I mean, I want to sit here and actually, the Oilers did get a lot of good chances. Like, Mackenzie Blackwood did play very well and stopped a lot of ones that I think, Kakinen would have let in. But I mean, still, I think the Oilers had like 40 shots or something. Yeah. And only two goals. And one of them was a bounce that popped right to Nugent Hopkins for an empty netter with only two minutes left or something. Yeah, that's... Ugh, man. I want to sit here and say that you can't just get bad puck luck for a whole year. But that's like what we saw all of last year with the Calgary Flames. Just all year we yeah. were going, their, their luck's going to turn around. It, the stats show that they'll get better. And it just never did. They never got a good bounce. It always went in their net when it was a 50-50. Like, hey, you know what? If it happens to Calgary, it can happen to Edmonton, I suppose. And even, like, what was Edmonton's power play last year? Like, didn't they set a record or something? I'm pretty sure it was like the best power play of all time. Yeah, and then in the playoffs, like it was like it was it was like 35 percent or some shit. Yeah, and then the playoffs, like it might have been up to like 50 percent. It was not. I think it was around 40. I think it went up from the regular season. And so the Oilers have that exact same power play out there tonight against the Sharks, who coming into this game, I think their penalty kill was 70 percent or something. And I don't even think that's actually the worst in the league currently. Um, and the Oilers didn't get a power play goal. Yeah. Like their power play got skunked. And, and they got quite a few. Um, their power play went 0 for 4. Against a terrible San Jose penalty kill. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think you just like something has to change soon because they're and especially with the run that Canucks are going on which you know I think we kind of are very certain that Vegas and LA are for sure um you know gonna be two of the three Pacific teams for sure I think that lead that like that lead that the Canucks are really gaining on the Oilers this early I, I don't know if the Oilers are gonna be able to catch the Canucks at this rate and so then the Oilers are sitting there going for a wild card spot. And then you're guaranteed to probably play Colorado or Vegas round one. Yeah. Or St. Louis if they catch a hot streak. Yeah, apparently St. Louis <laughs> is a wagon according to you. Oh, no, they're out of a playoff spot now. We're fine. What's Even the, Dallas, what's, maybe. What's their points percentage? Where are they at? They're 16th. Okay. They're 6-5 six and 1. Five, six, five and one. Apparently, um, great, Jordan, but like, apparently Jordan Bennington was 
um, linked to Edmonton potentially. Like the Oilers were interested in maybe Bennington for a trade partner, but and now if if you're you're the Oilers there, I don't think St. Louis is touching Jack Campbell because I think St. Louis is still in that mindset of we're going to win now. Like yeah. if you're trading Campbell, you're sending him to like you mentioned a Washington or. Uh, maybe a San Jose. I'm not sure because they already have some tough contracts, but maybe like a Chicago, uh, Philadelphia, potentially Philly, maybe if they actually are able to give Philly an offer, they can't refuse for Carter Hart. I could see that, but going out and getting a guy like Bennington, you're having to pay for Bennington first. And then you've got to pay all that extra to send Jack Campbell somewhere else. Yeah, and, and at that point you're you're selling the entire farm. Ransom. You're like you're selling all your assets in one go, hoping that Bennington, which who's known for being inconsistent since yeah, he won like, a cup. Yeah, ba- he's basically Matt Murray 2.0, minus the injuries, but the temper tantrum increase. Yeah. But then, and then at that point, you've risked and used every every asset you have to hope that this goalie will finally work. Because they thought Jack Campbell was going to work. Uh, I mean, Mike Smith kind of did, but they thought Koskinen was going to work. And it's just, it's just been an endless cycle. Like in the McDavid Drysaddle era, they haven't had a goalie that they've committed to, and that's the goalie they're running with. I really thought it was going to be uh, Cam Talbot, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what you do there anymore with, with the Oilers. Yeah, it's. That's tough. They, they're going to have to make a decision one way or another with the goaltending. But like you said, with uh, man, like the they really left the door open for somebody else to seize the opportunity in in the Pacific Division. And it it really looks like the Canucks are saying dibs. They are taking it and running. They're putting so much, so many points between the two that because like so last year in March. Uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl went frickin' nuclear, and they went, like, after the uh, Ekholm trade, they went, like, what, like, 17-1 and one or something? They were, like, it was, yeah, it was nuts. Insane. Like, if this continues for too much longer, they go 17-1, and one, maybe they get in. Like, they're gonna have to make up some ground before they have to do that again. Yeah, and and again, it seems like it's a recurring theme we're coming back to, but it's becoming more and more prominent. It's like you can't let this this hole you're in keep getting bigger, like because it's impossible to come out of due to the the diversity in the league between teams. It's impossible to get out of down the road. So it's like they've got to figure figure it out, and it's got to be like within the next two games. Like it's yeah. they can't keep sitting and waiting, hoping for it to get better. Because what are the Canucks now? They're like 14 points, six, 15 points, something ahead of the Oilers. Maybe yeah. even 16. I think the Canucks are 21. Yeah. And by the time you win enough game, you win eight games in a row to get those 15 points. If the Canucks are still playing good, they won five or six of their last ones and you didn't make up a ton of ground. Like, yeah. It's. If the teams hurt just the fact playing that, good, it's fucking hard to catch up. And it's also when we're looking at the fact of how many times 
have the Oilers and Canucks played each other already this year? Is it three times or only two? Uh, I can think I know of it's two, at least twice. But I'm not sure. Oh yeah, so they've they've already played them three times to start the season. First one they played back like the Canucks first two games against the Oilers. They beat them eight one and then four three, and then um, they beat them six two on uh, on Monday. So like. They've already played three of their four games on the season and walloped them. Yeah, like, like, they, how do you, how do you expect this oil like the Oilers to catch the Canucks? Like, it's basically going for a wild card almost. But, yeah, time will time will tell. It'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, we get a close race. Once it's uh, winding down at the end of the year, yeah, and I and I have mixed emotions about you know the whole situation because like yeah, I'm I'm just not a huge Oilers fan. Um, I really hope they're not in this spot near the end of the season and somehow get another first overall pick. But it's also really fun watching Oilers games in the playoffs. Like not like I mean the atmosphere that they have in Edmonton, I think is, is phenomenal. Like, again, not a fan of them, but like, you got to give credit where credit's due. Um, and then just watching McDavid and Drysad on the playoffs, they're like on another level. It, it, I mean, it, 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 it's fun, but I mean, if they miss the playoffs, I'm not, I'm not going to pout about it. Yeah. And it, it'll make, It'll make those off seasons really interesting with Dry Saddle and McDavid's contracts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think as of right now, what is it, fourteen and a half million between Nurse and Campbell? I'm yeah. not sure why. I don't know if you were what if you got the same feed as me for the game, but they showed Dry Saddle's the second or not Dry Saddle, Nurse is the second star of the game. I mean he had that goal, but like he was bad. He he did have a good block on. Uh, I don't. I actually I don't even think it was a power play for the Sharks, but like they just got it. It's just tough. It's tough to make it a good selling point right now for McDavid and Drysaitel to commit long term at the end of their deals. Yeah, but there's still a lot of time this season. I just think something's got to change sooner rather than later. Yeah. And we'll we'll keep updating on them because that's that's a really big story right now. It's just it's just yeah. crazy that it's gone like this. Yeah. Yeah, I did not not expect uh not expect this kind of start of the season. Not only that to go into San Jose and lose. Fuck, I'd hate to be that team. <laughs> I'd fucking hate to be that team. That's, Anyways. That's brutal. <laughs> like, that's tough. I can't even imagine. Ooh. Anyways, um, all that doom and gloom on the Oilers. I, was there anything else you wanted to, to cover? Uh, I didn't have anything. Just one thing. Um... I don't remember how I got here, but I ended up on 
uh, oh, because I clicked on, uh, I was on the stats page, and I wanted to go to team stats to, like, see this year's stats. You click on team stats, and it brings you to a screen where it shows, like, 22,000 wins for the Canadians, because it's the franchise's, like, all times. Oh, so yeah. I just, I was just sorting by things, looking at random shit. Uh, four out of every franchise, so it's more than 32. It's like all the franchises there have been, like the Hamilton Tigers, the St. Louis Eagles are all on here. The fourth all-time best power play in the NHL, the Arizona Coyotes. Really? Fucking what? Colorado makes sense. Vegas makes a lot of sense. Edmonton obviously makes a lot of sense. Arizona. What year is that? That that's not a that's not a year. That's just the franchise as a whole. Oh. All time. Huh. Yeah. Fucking this is weird as hell. Apparently they got, they've had a good power play. Sharks are second all-time uh, for a penalty kill, only to Minnesota. Really? Tampa's fifth. Tampa's sixth in power play. We got good, we got good yeah. special, special teams, at least. That's crazy. Good for the, good for the Coyotes. Yeah, right? Like I, they would have been one of my top guesses for like one of the worst ones of all time. Yeah. Like they're right um, below the Oilers with McDavid the last few years, Gretzky back in the day. Like, yeah. That's goofy. But no, I do not have anything else. Um, um, I did. I can't exactly find. Um,. I guess we can plug our tweet segment for the next show. I can't find it. And I know it, I know I saw it. I just can't remember where it was or or who it was like by. Like um, a reporter? It, it was just like a report. Um, but like, I don't want to say it and then be wrong so i might just leave it because I, I, I can't find it but i'm pretty sure i saw it. but when i look it up i'm not seeing anything for it now oh well i was scrolling i didn't find it but i did find something else that we didn't talk about actually that it's kind of big news um the nhl did they did like a uh, like NHL teams voted and there was a vast majority um, voting in favor to decentralize the NHL draft. Oh yeah. That's um, that's for them to do it. Like, like remotely pretty much. Yeah. Kind of like the COVID years almost, which I hope it's a lot better than, I mean, I, I still love the way they, they did it during the, the COVID years and whatnot. But like, I think, I think they've got to up their game now if this is like the actual format they're going with moving forward. Yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting. I don't know. I always kind of like the the whole first round there and having the guys like 
kind of kind of there and i don't know i, I just always thought that was kind of cool in person but i mean if teams if, if this is the way they want to go with it i mean that's that's fine it is cool, it's a huge change it's, it is like a lot of unnecessary stuff like the whole floor of the arena is always filled with just a bunch of general managers assistant gms all these guys on their phones like all all of what they're doing can clearly be done remotely and there's but no think, reason think to really this. have them there it is think cool for the guys being drafted though aside like this is basically the end of it when will we ever aside from the stanley cup being lifted when will we ever really get to hear an entire arena of people boo gary bettman though that is true. It only really ever happened at the, the, the draft and he was welcoming people or announcing a trade or something. And the booze would rain down. It was awesome. We're not, we, we won't get that. Yeah. Which I think is probably more than I think about that's kind of one of the biggest reasons why I'm like, oh man, because like that was such a fun running joke for so long and we're going to lose that. But because I, I don't know, I'm not a huge fan of people all booing when like, He's presenting the cup because I mean, like it's because it's the cup. Know. Like, yeah, I actually kind of want to hear what he has to say because I think he actually does do really good speeches when um, presenting the cup and whatnot. So I actually kind of like to hear that. And it's like it, it's we should be you know cheering and celebrating because this team won the cup and for these players and whatnot. So I'm that's why I really kind of like it at the, on the, the draft. Kind of all all the booze that just rained down and watching them just sit there and squirm in it. Yeah, I'm I'm very fifty fifty in those speeches because I do generally like the content of them, but at the same time, the team is always so fucking antsy. They're like, "Just hand me the cup. We did the thing. Give me the freaking cup," and and I can't blame them. But uh, yeah, so I'm always like, I'm interested in what he has to say in those uh, instances but also give the uh, give the man his trophy yeah yeah uh, I, that was i just kind of came across that one and i was like oh i i guess we should should mention that yeah for sure that'll be that'll be really interesting come uh next draft if it if they actually do it like that yeah. Um. Um. Do you want me to do? Do you want me to plug the socials, or do you want to? Uh, you can go for it. Um, we uh haven't been posting on them very much, obviously, so far. But uh, we did post one thing earlier today. Uh, we're just getting some, getting some feedback from, from the listeners and from whoever finds us on Twitter. And we're going to go through what we tweeted about in a segment on our next episode. So if you want to search us out, we'll uh, be talking about making the perfect hypothetical NHL player. Oh, I finally found it. I found it. He found it. I found it. Um, okay, so I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. How do you pronounce his name? Macklin Celbrini? Is that how you pronounce it? Or uh, Celebrini. I think it's Celebrini. Celebrini. Okay. So, I mean, I'm I'm hoping and praying he goes to 
the Sharks in the season, but so he's playing um, uh, with Boston University uh, men's ice hockey team. Hell yeah. So he was uh, named um, Hockey East Player of the Month and National Rookie of the Month. And so he is the first rookie in 20 years to earn the league's um, October Player of the Month award. So he's the first rookie to do that in in 20 years. So like I think that's pretty that's pretty good. Like that's that's pretty cool. And and like th- I think it's more so the fact that like Boston like a lot of good players have come through Boston University as well. Not only that, like other um teams over there. Like that that whole, you know, NCAA is just really grown massively in the last couple years like it's it's yeah. starting to get up there kind of with the the chl's leagues and absolutely and, um, i mean so god that michigan team has just consistently been unreal yeah yeah and what was it the the one year was it did they've what was what was it i know they had oh it was four players from that team went in the top five yeah like Owen Power, Beneers, um, Luke Hughes, and then Kent Johnson. Like you've got four players on one team that were in the top five of the NHL draft class last year. Like that's that's insane. That's so stacked. And I don't even think I think they lost in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Busts. I don't even think they went on to to win at all. Which is crazy. Like that just shows how good other teams are um, in that now. But I, I thought that was really cool because again, I'm I'm hoping that, uh, and I can I can actually even say this because he's spent time in sounds. I can say I hope he comes home. Um, but so any more stuff that comes out about him throughout the season, I will gladly be bringing to the table for us. All right, gotta gotta be hyped about something, right? Yeah, exactly, right? Like, besides our, our two-game win streak, uh, there hasn't been much else. Heater. They are. Seriously, next, I don't even know the Sharks are playing next because I'm only fo- taking it one game at a time because that's all I can handle. Um, but just slam money line because it's... Oh, yeah. Hurdle's going to go on heart. a tear. Dude, he might. He might. At this rate. Um... But yes, thank you to everybody for listening to another episode of the Stick'em Up podcast. This one went a little bit longer than I think we were planning, but that is totally fine. Uh, We got no issue with that because we always love to talk hockey over here. Um, If you would like to, again, check out the socials and join in on the conversations we're uh, we're finally having over there um, after many times of saying we're going to do it, we finally did it. Um, over on Twitter slash X and Instagram. We're on both of those over there at SEU Hockey. You can uh, feel free to check us out there, join in the conversation, chat with us, um, and some of the stuff you uh, you reply with us could be featured um, in the next one or the one after that or anytime. Um, got anything you want to add here before we, before we hop off? Uh... No, follow the socials. Just get on our asses. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you to everybody for listening. 
Uh, one final shout out to Quinn Hughes. Uh, he's carrying my fantasy team, so I just wanted to say thanks to him for that because we know he does listen. Uh, oh, yeah. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys in the next one.